Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are listening, wherever you are watching. England is Burning is back for the second show on a Monday. It is the 19th of April, 2021, and officially football Twitter is broken. It has been broken for now the last 18 hours of the news of this possible Super League. But we we have today, right now, we have Emma from the Man City Women Fancast to talk about Manchester City women and to talk about um, their upcoming uh, match against Chelsea, to talk about the FA Cup match that was this past weekend, uh, and we will touch on the, the idea of the Super League and how it may affect the women's game, or at least what we think might happen or could happen, uh, and so forth. We talked with Mark earlier from the Barmy Army, talking about Manchester United, and we, we went for a long time on the idea of a super league so uh but sit back enjoy hit a like on that video on uh, on the video with youtube share the uh audio if you like what you hear and you like what you see emma welcome back to the show i hope you enjoyed your international break um and uh hope you got a little bit of rest yeah it was all right yeah i'm, <laughs> I'm kind of glad the football's back now but okay big week Good. ahead so yes huge week ahead and we, we're finally to the we finally to that match that we yeah. had marked on the calendar for what like four months now that this would be you know this is the pivotal match to point to uh, and so forth but we do have one match we want to talk about leading up to it um as the lead up and that is the fa cup match uh that was this past weekend fourth round uh against aston villa it ended up being eight nothing affair in favor of city moving on to the fifth round and so forth so what were your you know coming coming out of the international break what were your thoughts on that match um you know going into it and how the game played out yeah i think you know we've obviously been drawn at at wsl side you know perhaps in the earlier stages of the fa cup you know you know you see a lot of you know teams that you know, uh, lower league teams are coming against, you know, the big WSL side, elite side. So I think, you know, Aston Villa probably heading into this one, we're thinking, gosh, what a draw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know, but, uh, a bit unlucky there, I suppose. But yeah, I never doubted that we we couldn't go out and, and get, a, you know, a fairly confident result. And, um, you know, perhaps in the first half, it looked as though, the, the goal line might not be as high as perhaps those high scoring goal lines that we did see across the weekend. But um, once we sort of found our stride and hit the ground running, yeah, we were pretty relentless really in terms of uh, the goals scored. Uh, really crucial in front of, um, you know, cr- crucial in front of goal, critical as well. Because, you know, we, we've obviously heading into this game against Chelsea, I think we're a bit off the boil in terms of the finishing uh, and mm-hmm. end products. So to, to get a good spray of goals across the team was really pleasing. Uh, if any of the, the big sides that, that uh, England is burning is it follows that really needed maybe to have a break to, you know, have a break to kind of come back to, you know, kind of get a little a mental physical break. And I know it was, you know, you had multiple players going into international uh, duty and so forth, but just kind of get a little bit of a break um, from the, the WSL grind and the, and the Champions League uh, disappointments and things like that. And just having the grind of games and stuff coming. It was probably Manchester City was kind of struggling 
with you know their finishing, you know, struggling with with being you know tactically sound, um, struggling maybe a little bit of defense, and also struggling as far as injuries were concerned. Um, and so maybe it was this was absolutely needed. Uh, you know, and it seemed to me, you know, in, in watching this match, and, and, and interesting enough, this is the one FA Cup match that I was able to watch without cranking up a VPN, uh, <laughs> since, you know, the others were only available in the UK, and I had to pretend that I was in London, um, but, you know, of course, I'm not, um, but, you know, this one I was able to watch on City Plus, um, so it was good <laughs> good for that, that point, but, you know, um, I expected... Um, what, the big surprise to me, Emma, was the actual lineup. I mean, Gareth Taylor came out with a lineup that was essentially designed for pretty much every single type of game, probably <laughs> one of the most strongest lineups. Um, given the opponent, yeah, I understand it's another WSL side, but still, um, he came out with the, like the strongest lineup possible, uh, it seemed like. What were your thoughts about the lineup going in? Yeah, like you said, we went strong. We wanted to ensure progression in the in the cup. You know, we want to retain it's a trophy. We want to retain, so we're going to take it seriously. Um, you know, perhaps surprising, yeah, given obviously the likes of Chelsea that obviously put out, you know, a, a much changed side. You know, um, probably in with a view on Wednesday um, and the title challenge uh, game. So, yeah, um, it was quite surprising, but. Again, pleasing on the other hand because, you know, plenty of players got minutes in. You know, we, mm-hmm. we used our substitutions, you know, which were good. So everyone played their part. Um, you know, re- there was a lot of positives which you can carry into the Chelsea game. Um, and I think it builds, uh, com- you know, confidence throughout the squad really as well. Yeah, and they, the team overall seemed pretty, you know, pretty fresh. Uh, pretty clinically sound from the start. Um, Aston Villa, as as we've seen in pretty much most of their recent matches, you know, attempted to start off by you know by uh, presenting with a pretty low block and pre- tried to start pretty organized on the defensive side, pretty resolute, um, allowing City you know the possession um, which um, City you know took, uh, and that led to eventually a slow kind of a you know breaking down of Villa's. Uh, defense it and the, because as Villa as things kept moving on, Villa's defense instead of pushing forward and keeping more organized with some space, they started pushing, got it actually pulling back towards their goal, and so the movement started becoming more uh, focused to you know around the 18 yard box and even further in. Um, so you know when Chloe Kelly got the goal in the 18th minute, that was the domino uh, that kind of began the fall, but but. Uh, I think you mentioned that that it seemed like maybe in the beginning it was a little bit slower than you thought it would be. Yeah, it took me a while to settle into the game, I feel. Um, though we had much of the ball again, which is just City's game, um, mm. I think it, it took a while for City to build on that attack going forward. Um, but it paid dividends in the end. You know, we weren't really, you know, Villa weren't really pressuring us an awful too much. So we were just quite happy to just pass, pass the ball around and, and be patient and just build our play through the back. Um, I think Lucy Bronze had a great game. I think she was really instinctive. She played some really clever trickery, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with the ball, um, you know, just to sh- to show how well she read the game. You know, there are nice little bits of movement from her and nice little touches that, you know, were more showboaty, I suppose, <laughs> um, which, which is really good to see. Um, but, 
you know, Villa, isn't it? You know, I mean, you look at them as a, a WL side at the WSL side at the moment that are, are fighting for their, you know, survival in the WSL as well. And it's just really not working for them. It's just not coming together for them on the pitch for, for whatever reason. Um, I don't, I, I don't really know what is going on in terms of the management and big knock there at the moment. It just seems that it's not working. And I almost kind of feel sorry for Gemma Davison in the fact that obviously she's been pushed out a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which is a discredit to her and the, the work that she's done with them. And obviously we've seen glimpses of her in the match, but not obviously as vocal as Big Not was from from the the tactical tech, yeah, tactical area, technicians area even. Yeah, I mean, you know, Aston Villa, you know, has changed managers and, and you know, that's been, you know, really been a struggle. Things have not been working. And then there had there been some glimmers in a few matches by them, you know, at least in the start of some matches of, of getting some energy, getting some movement forward, um, a little bit more attacking play and so forth. But then, uh, you know, once... Either the goal, you know, a goal goes in against them, or two goals go in against them. They seem to kind of just kind of collapse within themselves, you know. And and I hate to say that, but that's kind of that's what you see visibly on the on the pitch, um, and so forth. And so it's a team that's really struggling, lacking confidence, and you know, moving forward. And and almost honestly, it almost is a team that's looking like looking to see the season end, um, you know, moving just, forward, which is really sad to see. Yeah, they don't know. look like a double. USL side though you know they no. they don't um I mean you know you can't be a, a sort of one-man team if you like with Iribuchi in there you know she you know she's carried that team at times you know and mm-hmm. and you yeah. know it's it's just not enough um which you know looking at the team and the, the promising start that they made with the players that they bought in it almost looks as though they could cement themselves within the league, uh, which just isn't the case. So it'll be interesting to see how the last few games uh, do go in terms of uh, Villa's survival and, and what they can do and what they can bring to these next few matches. But I think probably bowing out of the FA Cup, even though they get the next round of the tournament isn't played till May, it's it's something less for them to think about at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right now they're sitting 12th, but that's a little bit deceiving because they do have two games in ha- yeah, hand okay. with Bristol and West Ham, uh, who are in 11th and, and 10th respectively. But they are in the in the in the heart of a relegation fight for their survival in the WSL, and and um, you know what you want to see if you're in a relegation fight is some fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, 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 and and it's and I, as I've said, you know, I, you, I've watched them play and have seen glimpses of that. Um, but again, but of course, I've been seeing them against you know larger teams where there's an expectation uh, that they may get may lose. Um, and so once it became evident that they were going to lose, then they just play the game out uh, and ended up getting battered. Now, not to take away from City's performance because I do have to give credit for Manchester City's performance because you know. You know, they seemed a little bit back to where they would like to be from a tactical standpoint, from a clinical standpoint, from a defensive standpoint. You saw, you know, you saw them be more fluid, more clinical, more uh, organized and so forth. Maybe that rest mentally and physically helped uh, and they needed this game 
and I hate for lack of a better term, they needed this game as a warm up um, for you know the game that's coming up this week. Um, but I have to. I mean, one st- obviously a standout performer is Chloe Kelly, who's, who gets a hat trick. You know, scoring in the in the thirty fourth minute uh, again in the in the forty. Wait a minute. Six. She started open the scoring. Sorry, excuse me. She opened the scoring for City in the sixteenth minute as Ellen White that scored in the thirty fourth minute. Then Chloe Kelly again in the forty first, uh, and then finishes her, her hat trick in the eighty fourth minute. Um, and so for a standout performance, I'd love to see her score because she could show that she can also score and set up scoring. So yeah. that, that's And she could too. score all kinds of goals now. She yeah, just I mean, added, a, right. added a hook and an overhead kind of half right. overhead kick to a to a uh, you know CV. So that's uh, that's really you good. Know, and, yeah, and so that. you mentioned Lucy Bronze, you know, doing a showboaty stuff. You saw Chloe doing some showboaty stuff too. So it was almost, you know, kind of like a training ex- almost looked like a training exercise, which I don't mean to that to be necessarily pejorative. Um, you know, this was indeed a warm up match for Chelsea. I mean, and they needed to come together, have a match together as a team, work on some things, have a little bit of fun out there, be relaxed, um, you know, and have all those things happen. It all came together. Now, the one complaint I got about. I love how City does their business, and, and and I don't mean financially necessarily. I mean just sort of overall from PR speaking. You know, it's all done very professionally. But the thing I have about the managers of Manchester City is that they all have taken a course in manager bot speak. And so Garrett Taylor, when asked about the lineup and about the you know this match coming forward, was like basically gave the speech. We take it one game at a time. We put out the strongest lineup to win. We're not thinking ahead to Chelsea. And I'm like, Mr. Taylor, come on. You obviously obviously not heard any of Nick Cushing's post-match speeches. No, I I, have. (laughs) They learn from the best, apparently. Improvement. I'll be honest with you. It's a much improvement. Okay. Uh, And I'm like, that's not true. The plan for this match was to play the strongest lineup, get shake some rust off, win the game out early, work on a few things, have a little bit of fun out there, do a training exercise, uh, and then get up by a whole bunch of goals and then sub some people in. End of story. End of story. There's you know and so forth. And that's exactly what happened. The plan did come out to play, but I I, I don't believe that. They weren't thinking ahead. <laughs> well, it, you know. it, it's in, it's impossible. I mean, how long have we been talking about this game for? Right. You know, of course you've got one eye on this game. Um, mm-hmm. It's the biggest game of the season for City now. You know, in terms of their title chances, um, and you know we will be seeking redemption. You know, our form mm-hmm. against uh, Chelsea hasn't been all that great since the. Um, since, since the postponement of the league last season, you know, mm-hmm. our last game heading into that, um, heading into the, the containment of the season was against Chelsea at home, and it was a it resulted in a three or draw. Um, you know, since that game, we've we've played them a number of time, uh, a number of times, and you know, we've not been able to get anything out of the game. So this is our time. You know, we're playing at home. We've got a very strong home advantage. You know, City, 
you know, it's a fortress, the Academy Stadium for any opposition that goes there. You know, we expect to go out and get a strong result on our home ground. And I'm expecting much of the same. You know, this is our time. A lot rides on this game. You know, we if we really want to show how much of an improved side we are, um, this is our t- time now to to stand up and, and show what we can do. And, you know, we don't want to bottle it. This is this is the game. This is the game that we need to go and win. This is the game that we can afford to throw everything at because we haven't got, you know, um, Champions League football to think about like Chelsea. Um, that, again, is obviously to the disappointment of going out to in the Champions League. It, it is an advantage to us now heading into this game because we've got... In terms of preparation, we've we've got enough to, in terms of firepower and the depth of the squad to to utilize and and throw at this match. And so to set the table, y'all, basically we're we're talking about Chelsea, who's in first place in WSL. They're they're up on points by two points over Manchester City. Form in the league going in on both sides is wins across the board. Everything has been pointed to this. There's a significant gap between the two, between City and Chelsea from first and second to third. So this is it. This pretty much decides. We're at the late stage of the of the season. This pretty much decides the WSL title. And both teams have something to prove because, you know, Chelsea won the title last year in a truncated season. Rewarded. Uh, rewarded. Okay. <laughs> All right. And and I and I appreciate you saying that because because that's how that that's 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 certainly how I would say a hundred percent of city fans uh, will will take that that they didn't really win it it was rewarded at the end or awarded to them at the end based on points per game uh, that's not a way you really want to win a title no. uh, and so I think Chelsea and themselves have something to prove in the sense of they want to win the title outright yeah because um, it, it, you know it's like a hollow a hollow victory you want to go out there and you want to earn your results earn your position and the right you know to and you know obviously it was it was difficult how that season ended and and you know rightfully you know it was it went you know to the right team Chelsea were a great team don't get me wrong but you know this is our chance this is our opportunity this has been a long time coming now these are two top sides in England that are now competing um, at the right time for, you know, this title. And mm-hmm. it's going to be one hell of a game, and I'm really looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I hope it lives up to the expectation that all the fans uh, are building up heading into this one because I think it's going to have a lot of eyes on it. I think there's going to be a mm-hmm. lot of interest, not just, you know, here in the UK, but... Globally as well, you know, these are two really good teams and and essentially, you know, the winner of this game has that title in their grasp and that's a huge advantage. Yeah, I would say, you know, there's always a saying where, you know, somebody has one hand on the trophy and so forth. And I think no one really has one hand on the trophy right now, but the winner of this match, whoever comes out of this, uh, will have maybe more than one hand on the trophy, given where we are in the season right now. I mean, there's two games left for each squad, um, you know, moving forward. 
you know, in the league. So looking at it statistically, there's not a whole lot of difference between Chelsea and Manchester City statistically in the league. Now, Chelsea is number one in the WSL in creating goal scoring opportunities. Manchester City is third, but not by much in terms of the, the each side's defense holding opponents, keeping them from having goal scoring opportunities. Right now, it is, if I'm correct, Manchester City is the best in the league at keeping opponents from getting goal scoring opportunities and Chelsea is second, but not very far behind when it comes to inverting those opportunities. That's where there's a little bit of a gap. And we've talked about that little bit of a gap. That's going to be really critical moving forward as um, you know, Chelsea and Manchester city is pretty close together in terms of converting goal opportunities into actual goals. Actually, Manchester city is a little bit of a head 8.8 to 8.7. That's a very small gap, but big, but excellent. But that's something that that one of the things that we have talked about repeatedly with with Manchester City. But and it's also we have to admit though, Chelsea has been doing better and better and better in converting their opportunities in in recent weeks from a defensive side uh, in terms of keeping their opponents from converting goal opportunities. Um, Chelsea is the best in the league, um, and Manchester City is actually fifth. Now, so any sort of a statistical standpoint, actually, that the weakness would be in Manchester City's ability to keep um, opponents from converting their goal-scoring opportunities. What do so from from a stats perspective? I would say that Chelsea has a small advantage, uh, and so forth. But Emma, you mentioned the fans. What do? How are the fans feeling? Uh, City fans feeling going into this this such a pivotal match with a with a chance at lifting a, a or be, getting your hands closer to a trophy here in the WSL. I think obviously it's hugely exciting. You know, mm-hmm. as a as a club, you want to be competing at the top level with you know your your view on obviously ambition and and succeeding in you know any competition that you're in in playing in at the moment. So, um, you know, City made no reservation about wanting this season to be uh, full of success and obviously we're still sort of reeling from the the disappointment of going out of the Champions League but this is an opportunity to give fans something to smile about. Mm -hmm, Certainly and uh, do fans feel confident that City will get the result that they need because City needs the three points. They need to win this. Um. Look, we're playing Chelsea. <laughs> um, <laughs> you are you are going to have uh, naturally that little bit of doubt in your mind, knowing what a quality side that Chelsea are. I'm not going to, you know, play them down. Uh, they've been sensational this season once again, and Emma Hayes is a, a fantastic manager. You know, she's one of the best in in England, if not, you know, Europe. So, um, you know, she's managed her side just as well as if City have, you know, that depth and strength obviously plays plays a huge part. Um, Chelsea, unfortunately, have succumbed to injuries just like we have this season. And, you know, they've lost some crucial players and, and that have been key in their season. So, you know, that's always disappointing. But it what it really comes down to is Wednesday night and it's mm-hmm. about which team will turn up <laughs> on the mm-hmm. night. Um, you know, statistics again, you know, we spoke about the statistics, you know, in United games, um, previously for games like this, they, they can go right out the window because you just don't know what's going to happen. And you can say that about any game of football, 
mm-hmm. these are two sides that will fight fight for the win I think um you know I don't think Chelsea will be looking to get a draw mm-hmm. uh, I think well, they'll be playing for the win uh, and City have nothing else to fight for other than them three points uh, because that anything else won't be enough so I think it will be an open end-to-end enthralling encounter and yeah it's it's hard to say how it's going to go um you know Chelsea are fantastic but again I'll back my team all the way um, I have that leads to so many different other uh, other questions, but but uh, you know when I talked with Rob at the CFCW social and and I asked him about tactically what he expected out of the Chelsea squad and and he said not not anything different. Uh, Emma, what do you think as far as tactically? What do you expect from the City squad? Any possible changes? Any tweaks? Or go with go with what brought you? I don't think. Um... I don't think we'll change too much, but I think it's going to be a bit more feistier, a bit more mm-hmm. nitty, a bit more gritty. Okay. Um, they're the kind of games that I like, though, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Uh, they're the kind of games that I long to watch that I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I find enjoy. You know, even though as a fan, you know, they're difficult to watch. I think the neutral mm-hmm. fan will thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. For a game like Chelsea, um, much like that we've seen in previous previous games, uh, a player like Georgia Stanway who can just find that little bit of space mm-hmm. and and work wonders from outside the area. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, Caroline Weir, two players that I think offer that uh, will be kind of crucial in this sort of game uh, because I think I've already spoken about how, for me, it. <laughs> We've seen uh, Chelsea, you know, City games that have had goals that have, you know, been draws that have just been end to end, you know, counter attacking games. Um, but I, I kind of feel with this one, it it might just be a little bit more cagey, a little bit mm-hmm. more reserved, and therefore it might just be that one moment of brilliance that might just, you know, snatch the game. Yeah, I think it depends, you know, it really depends on how kind of it opens. If it opens pretty cagey, it might stay that way. Um, but I think that, you know, obviously the first, whoever scores the first goal will it will have the, the quick advantage and we'll see when that goal happens and what the response will be. So you, you mentioned Georgia Stanway. You mentioned um, uh, Caroline Weir. Any other people for our fans to look out for that you think might have an impact on the match? Um, obviously, I think um, the midfield is going to be key in this one again. Um, Kira Wolf, obviously, um, massive standout player at the moment. Um, be interesting to see uh, with the form that Janine's had. Obviously, I think she scored three in the last three games. So she's been really, um, had a really imp- good impact, positive impact on the squad, uh, whether or not she'll be involved. Uh, but it's it's just hard to say, you know, we've rested a lot of players, you know, we don't know whether, again, Steph will be available or not. That's obviously the, with the pre-match uh, happening tomorrow with uh, Gareth Taylor, that's not been announced, but it's it's not looking likely. Mm-hmm. Um, so expecting the sort of back line again of, of possibly Demi, possibly, um, you know, Dal Kemper and uh, Greenwood and Lucy Bronze again, which... You know, it's been really quite cohesive and quite solid. 
Uh, so no issues there for me. I think mm -hmm. it, it is just going to be that midfield battle, I think, and who can open up the play and and whether we can utilise, obviously, players like Kelly and Hemp on the wings and, and get some uh, good balls in to, to capitalise in the box. I mean, it... it... To look at the lineups of both teams, I mean, it, it's it, both teams are world class all the way up and down the lineup, and and so there's so even. And, and I'm just talking about intangibles. I'm talking about you know what each team brings to the brings to the field, uh, and you know I think you're right. It's going to be I, it has the makings of being an up and down match, but also has the makings of being extremely cagey and, and, and even very, as you mentioned, feisty and physical at the same time. And we, both sides have players that can, that can mix it up that way. Uh, can go either way? <laughs> um, so, so it's pretty clear how that could go. But, uh, but I was curious, you mentioned Demi Stokes. I mean, and so I, one of the questions I had was about the back line because uh, that, you know, you, that I'm not expecting stuff out and be to play. Um, I am, you know, but that's not official that she isn't, but it's based on what I've seen, I don't see it happening, yeah, it's not um, like but it's not, I mean, but it's not a hundred percent certainty that she won't, but even some of the statements that she's made in, on social media kind of suggest that she's not going to be, be present. Um, but you mentioned Stokes possibly starting ahead of, is, is that over SMA Morgan or, or what, what are your thoughts about, um, Morgan versus Stokes in, in that back line for this match? To be honest, I don't mind who's in, who's who's okay. in, who's out. Um, I think you know that's a position that I think has been obviously seen a lot of you know players coming in and out of. Um, I don't. I've I've enjoyed watching Esme Morgan. I think we spoke about at length, you know, just how good she's you know come on uh, and developed as a player, uh, and that time that she had at Everton is is really um, sort of just took her to a whole new level in terms of her growth. Um, and it's great to obviously see her making a mark in the team and, you know, in and out of the squad, but, you know, still an important part of the team. You know, mm -hmm. even when she's not playing, she's, you know, she's she's so encouraging uh, as a player, you know, from the sidelines as well. So that's really nice to see, especially with her being so young as well. Um I think Demi, obviously, you know, she's so consistent. Um, she's she's had a couple of iffy games recently, but you know, she's coming back from injury. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's as to be expected. But look, Demi has been part of this city squad for a number of years now, and she's an incredible, incredible player. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, I I you know, I trust her, you know, 100%, you know, she's a good player and I don't think there's anything wrong in having two left-footed players in your squad at all, um, especially, you know, with Greenwood, you know, set pieces, you know, corners, you know, she she offers so much to City and Demi is, is such a, you know, attacking-minded player, you know, she really likes to push the team up, um, and I do enjoy watching that as well. So they are two different players, uh, Esme and Demi. But you know they are—they both play with intent, and um, I think either one of those players will do well in the squad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean it's sort of the—you know—I think there's, I think 
it's a nice problem to have if both of them are fully capable of being on the, on the pitch. It's a matter of going with they have, but they have different skill sets and they have different things to bring. And and I imagine Stokes could get the get the start mainly because of, of skill and experience. Yeah. Uh, but no, but SMA has done very very well also in her time, uh, you know, playing, and she also brings a certain set of skills there as well. And so. Um, that that is an important thing, but I, I really do think that City is going to miss if they end up indeed missing Steph Houghton from from that match. I mean, it's going to kill her if she's not out there, um, <laughs> you know. But um, it really is um, because they really, I think they really do miss her uh, and so forth. But I think they have enough on field leaders to you know to to make it work out, um, you know, for them. So Emma, what is so? Let, let's let's go down to brass tacks, everybody. What's your scoreline prediction for this? You think City's going to pull um, this thing out? How do you think it's going to play? Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm going to say Chelsea are going to win. That is for sure. Um, so you can rid me for that next week. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to go with a one nil for City. I, I, okay. I, I'm not saying that it's not going to be um, a good game. I just mm-hmm. think it's it's just going to be that. We're just going to counteract each other, you know. We're just going to cut each other out, and I, I think it's just one of the one of those nitty gritty games, an entertaining one all the same. But you know, we've had games like that against Arsenal, and it, it took that moment of brilliance. And I and I think I'm expecting possibly that kind of game on Wednesday mm-hmm. night. You know, and, and I, I, I'm going to stick to my guns. I, I with Rob, I, I told him what my scoreline prediction was going to be, and I'm going to stick to it. Uh, I told him, I told everyone that watched that video or listened to that podcast that I predicted a Chelsea two to one win, and I'm going to stick to it. Um, I think that I can see that happening, though. You know, I, I just see it being pretty. I, I agree. I agree. It's going to be kind of cagey. I think they're going to be some canceling out of things. Um, it, it's going to be a little bit more physical and, and you know than than in the previous you know encounters um but i see it you know i see chelsea going ahead by a goal i see then city then you know pulling pulling a pulling it even and then i see a moment of brilliance at the end uh you know like in the 80th first minute you know when you've got people like pernell harder sam kerr and fran kirby you know being set up set up and being available i think it's going to be that in the end um, and so forth. It's going to be a really good match either way, but I do predict Chelsea to win, you know, you know, two to one, um, you know, in the end, unfortunately for city and so forth. So you can, I mean, you can certainly, you know, uh, if city win, I I mean, I I probably should be made to do something on air, you know, or something like that. If, if it comes out uh, that city wins. So I, I, you know, I wish everyone the best of luck. It's going to be really good because y'all, y'all out there who are neutrals, if you're neutrals uh, going in, please check out this match because it really is going to be, this is the, this is the cream of the crop, as they say, of the WSL. Um, It is, you know, the best of the best in the league uh, and so forth. And, and, you know, and, and these are the best teams in Europe. I I, I think Manchester City ran into an absolute buzzsaw in Barcelona. Um, and I think there was the Manchester city did prove something in the, in the second leg, um, you know, by beating them in, at the Academy stadium. And, and I think that, you know, there is an opportunity for England to have the first champions league winner since 2007, um, because it's the champions league trophy on the women's side has been traded by Germany and France for the last 13 years. And, and that's going to change, um, you know, we'll have a new winner. 
none of the remaining squads have won the Champions League before. So Chelsea is one of those. I'm not saying that Chelsea is going to win the Champions League this year, but my point actually is, is that Manchester City and Chelsea are, are becoming cream of the crop you know, semi-final, finalist-type teams in the Champions League in the future if everything goes to the trajectory that, it, trajectory that it's on now. With that said, as I'm talking about Europe, and I mentioned that Twitter is broken. Twitter has been broke. Football Twitter has been broken for the last 18 hours over the idea, the concept, and it seems to be more of a reality and not a dream or a thought that a, you know somebody thought of or you know it's been rumored it's been talked about it's been in the air for years the idea of having a super league of teams the, the top echelon of uh, football clubs in europe you know breaking away and becoming their own dare i say super league and so oddly enough on the eve of the announcement of uefa changing the format potentially and having an announcement of the format change of of the champions league on the men's side today, which I have yet to hear um, as of the recording of this show, um, the 12 founding clubs or whatever you might want to call them. I, I, for some reason, I keep thinking about founding, founding fathers for some reason, uh, <laughs> you know, it decided that, you know, they to announce at nine o'clock at night uh, in Europe to, to then announce the breakaway, uh, you know, super league of 12 teams with three, you know, three yet to be decided. And, um, the format of having 20 clubs and they're going to break away and form their midweek, uh, league that is to replace the champions league, replace the Europa league. Uh, and that it would be a league of eventually, of essentially 20 teams, uh, 12 founding teams that will never, ever, ever be relegated ever, no matter what, there always will be there. Uh, three other teams that they want to add on. Uh, you can only guess what those three teams are. I will get to that in a second. And then you're throwing scraps to five other teams based on merit, um, you know, to join in, to get a little bit of piece of the pie, um, you know, to make 20, break them into two groups of 10, and then three or four out of those 10 uh, go to a quarterfinals that, 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 that down the line. I call the Super League the Forbes Super League. And because if you look at the, at the ranking, Emma, of the top biggest financial clubs in the, in the world, all 12 of those teams, uh, those clubs, which include Manchester City, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, Manchester United, so the top six of, uh, of England. Uh, if you look at the, the top 15, 12 of the t- all 12 of them are the top 15 biggest clubs financially in the world. The other three of those 15 are Bayern Munich, PSG, and Borussia Dortmund, who are also in that top 15 group. And guess what? There's three slots left, and Bayern and BVB and PSG have all at least indicated initially that they don't intend on joining the Super League, but there's three slots. So basically, I call it the Forbes Super League. So that is what's broken Twitter, because basically the idea is that you have in perpetuity this champion super league of 12 that will never ever be relegated that are there based on historic merit um, rather than merit i mean look at tottenham their men's team has not won a trophy in decades and decades but guess where they rank on the forbes list number 10 so it's easy to see what's going on here in terms of that there and it's the franchise model it's an american model being pushed by american owners uh, and so forth. 
I could go on and on and on. I call it essentially, uh, it's, it's essentially collectivistic crony capitalism because essentially it is to essentially the idea really is, is, uh, and to use the pandemic as a reason to do this is disgusting actually. And, and that's what they've used that we need to change our financial model to protect the European football pyramid model that, and they, what they didn't say is that keeps us at the top of it. Um, you know, we got to do this, you know, and, and it's really disturbing. And so what's the collectivist crony capitalist model? Uh, and basically it is that we want the largest share of the pie and we're going to redistribute redist- that pie amongst only ourselves. So it's collectivistic, not as much capitalistic as everyone's talking about. Everyone says this is capitalist greed and everything else. No, it's not. It's collectivistic. It's basically saying, okay, we're going to take this pie and we're distributed only amongst ourselves. You know, um, and the owners being being American, being all over the place and so forth. Um, you know, it's a franchise model where you pay to play. It's a pay to play model, which is totally counter to what football has been all about in England uh, since it started. So I've ranted a little bit long on that, Emma, um, to set the stage. But Emma, when you heard the news that the idea of of the Super League, and that your club that you support, Manchester City, being a part of that, being in that, what was your reaction? What are what were your thoughts initially? Initially, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, I think like a, a lot of other people, very disgruntled, disappointed, angry, uh, and sad, really, just because... Mm-hmm. Um, I I drew similarities to it to the the big picture project project big picture that was announced last year sort of thing. It sounded it wasn't the same, but it's you know mm-hmm. the similarities in terms of the compar- comparables to the women's game. Uh, you know the statement of of you know and there will be a you know you know the women's game isn't at a point where it's ready for anything like this. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's nowhere near um, ready for anything like this. I'm not saying that it it won't be in the future, but a lot of people, a lot of teams, uh, are behind the scenes, you know, investors have worked really hard to sustain this women's game, and we're just about in a relatively good position with obviously the broadcast deals that have come on last week and and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, um, but it seems as though we're running before we can walk, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, we've still got a bit of a long way to go, but with regards to the men's game, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, in all honesty, I think it's an absolute insult to those lower league clubs that are really feeling the brunt of, of COVID, uh, the pandemic and the financial impacts that it has, you know, sustained upon the league really I think it's offensive and I think it's greed fueled ridiculousness um and for me if it happens uh the little ounce of respect that I have left for the game will go and and with it will so will my interest in it um unfortunately and you know I've been brought up like a lot of fans with football, surrounded by football, going to games. You know, I, I appreciate not just the elite level of the game, but, you know, that those grassroots games, you know, my small little humble hometown team that, you know, I used to go and visit week in, week out, you know, 
because you know families couldn't afford you know these ticket prices and now they're making it potentially obscene and you know in terms of the financial aspects and, and the expectations of what it means for a fan to to follow their club that they followed all their life like for what mm-hmm. you know like it it makes no sense at all um in all honesty i hope with the aftermath that has come from today and you know those fans speaking out and the few players and the 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 commentators and the the pundits and um and and, and others you know managers that have been you know speaking and, and ex players that have been speaking on radios and broadcasts and TV today uh, that they listen to what people are saying and they just think again before proceeding forward um you know like with project big picture you know a lot of fans came out and spoke about how mm-hmm. agreed they were with the decision and that kind of got overturned and mm-hmm. it, it disbanded and, and we heard no more about it. Um, I, I kind of feel this is a, a, a bigger thing. Um, I, I almost feel it's, it's waging a war on UEFA, uh, FIFA and, and all those other, you know, and the FA. Um, and it's not a nice look. No, and it's not. No, it's I- not- I, I, I really think, and I, I said last night on Twitter, I said that this was a, a, a this was a war. Uh, it's a philosophical war. It's a financial war. It's a you know it is, but it was a but you know uh, it was a nuclear strike. I mean, it was like preemptive, you know, and and not to say that UEFA and FIFA are without any blame, or without any. You know, they're, they're, we all know they're not uh, in any way, shape, or form daisies here uh, in, in this. They, they they set themselves up for this to happen uh, by a number of different reasons uh, as to why. But this is a war from a philosophical standpoint. It is a war of crony capitalists acting like collectivists using a franchise American model versus basically the core of what football has always been um, in against the socially democratic sort of philosophy uh, that of the Bill Shankleys of the world and the, you know, the Busbys of the world and, and, and so forth and, and, and how football has been set up in, in England for over a hundred and some odd years. It is a philosophical ideal world, not an ideal wor- world. It's more of an, you know, it's, it's a war of ideals. Um, and it's a war that both that they're going to be, a, be unintended consequences and unintended victims on all sides. And the fans are the ones that are going to end up losing the most out of all of it yeah. uh, in the end. And and to say that, you know, to it is extremely hollow for um, the, the Super League group to say that, you know, this is to that, you know, telling us as fans, let's say just putting ourselves in, in just gen- in generic fans. Uh, saying to us, you're going to have the best teams and the best players every week. Da, 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 da. And this is all for you. It no, it's, it's not. It's not. It, you know, it just taints the game. Look, we've got football heritage a lot. I mean, it runs through the blood of the people in this country. Right. Um, you know, and it means a lot to a lot of people. You know, it's a massive thing. And, you know, to see your club progress in a competition by merit and play Mm -hmm. Barcelona or whoever Mm -hmm. is huge. You take that away, you've taken all the good things about this game with it. Mm -hmm. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're and taking the magic away taints, from it. It taints it. It taints, right. the, taints the game. It taints the product. And it, it it's special. And that is the, the beauty of the game. It's special. A Super League, and if they create a Super League for women, it's going to be virtually the same thing, where basically you have teams that will always be in the the best, you know, the top league in Europe uh, in perpetuity forever, no matter how no, good or how ready. bad they are. And no one can earn their way into the club. No one can earn their way in on merit. You are there forever. When is Arsenal on the men's side? When was the last time they won a trophy on the men's side besides the FA Cup last year? They haven't won a league in like over a decade. Uh, Tottenham, you know, I mean, I, you look at these teams and they're like, I mean, the only reason, that's why I call it the Forbes list, because it's the only reason why they're there is because they were, the club itself is worth $2.9 billion. And, and, and that, I'm speaking of Tottenham. I don't know how on earth Tottenham got worth $2.9 billion. I have no idea. But the point is, it has nothing to do with merit. And, and I saw some pictures from, like, I think the Premier League match um, this afternoon with players on the pitch wearing T-shirts that said, you know, with the with the the logo, the proposed logo of the Super League and a cross, you know, the cross over it and so forth, saying earn it. And, the, and, that's, and that's exactly the point. The point is, is that none of these teams really earned on merit currently to be there and is basically a private club. Uh, you know, a private VIP club really? where, where no one gets, no one, there's no promotion into it. There's no relegation out of it. They're there forever and they get all the money that comes from it, the TV deals, everything that comes out of it. And the gap widens between the elite 12 to 15, whoever, however it's going to end up being and the rest of the football world. Um, it is an American model. It is the National Football League does the same model. The Major League Soccer does that same model. There is no promotion relegation. But see, the difference is this, is that in the United States with them, with Major League Soccer, all of the teams in the league are on the same level. It's not like six of the top teams are broken off from the rest. And then you have a super league with Mexico and Canada and, you know, they're, they're an elite squad and they're separated within their own, you know, here is completely separated. Um, uh, but there's collective, you know, there's, you know, um, in the NFL and the MLS, there is, you know, revenue sharing, TV deals are split evenly amongst everybody. That's why it's a collectivist system within a capitalist system. So it's mixed uh, and so forth, which is totally against what football is all about. And so this Super League, no one can get into it on merit. You can't earn like in the end. So we have in place the Champions League, the Europa League and the women's side of the Champions League. There's rumor about another European competition, but I don't think we're there yet uh, for that. But that is a mechanism that was put in place to a small team could earn their way through merit through years and so forth, earn their way in. I, I dare say I want to look at, I, I want to mention Chelsea mainly from the standpoint is I have a better understanding of their story in 2012. You know, twelve. You know, this. They started a project. They they hired Emma Hayes, and they started a project at Chelsea to become the the best team in Europe. It has taken nine years, and they have gone step by step by step by step by step, and now they're on the doorstep of you know being in a Champions League final. But they've earned it. Manchester City has earned it in terms of the, the women's side. They've earned that. 
And then if they do a women's European Super League, then is it going to be teams in perpetuity? So that means what? You know, now, and then who's going to be in those? Who's going to be in a perpetuity league for of women's soccer? Which is why I, I would agree with you, Emma, that we're not quite there yet. No, because you need to look at expanding the league first. Right. You know what I mean, if you take, right. if you take the teams out of it, it's not viable. It, it's just bat, it's just bat crazy. It really is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trying not to swear there. Um, but it is. Uh, it's just a farcical. It's a joke. Um, I, f- I kind of feel we're in too deep with it at the moment, uh, purely because, like you said, this is this is not a conversation that has happened overnight. This mm-hmm. is an idea that has been you know, happening for years and years and years. The conversations have been ongoing and, you know, I, I, I kind of don't feel that this situation is going to dissolve. Um, I'm worried about what it means going forward. I worry about the implications, the impacts that it will have on the other teams, uh, mm-hmm. a lower lead, a, a lower lef- level, how that affects grassroots and, and those other uh, clubs coming up. Um, where's the investment going to come from? Um how is that going to be shared? What what does that mean? How does this in you know how do other teams grow and 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 compete at that top top level if there's nothing to compete with? It's worrying. It's worrying. I think, I, I think this is reminiscent of the movie Oliver, where where the poor Oliver was you know wanted more dinner. <laughs> You know, please, can I have more? Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what it looks like. So, Emma, what do you think? What do you think? You know, and, and this is really theoretical and hypothetical, but what do you think? Because they, they mentioned the possibility of a women's European Super League also in this, but there were no details or anything like that in terms of number of teams, where they would come from, how would they get there uh, and so forth. But what do you think this in terms of the impact of the women's game is or will be? I hope there isn't an impact. In all honesty, mm-hmm. I hope I hope that it was a half-assed mention <laughs> that uh, you know a box, mm-hmm. if you like, um, like with everything else with the women's game. We just need to concentrate on what we're doing, what we're mm-hmm. doing well, what we're doing good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're on a trajectory. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. It's going to take, you know, probably some years, but. You know, we're going in the right direction. You know, the women's game is getting that respect it deserves and it doesn't need to be put on a pedestal against these tycoons that are purely acting out of greed because that is not what the women's game is about. And it, for me, shouldn't be put under the same umbrella at this time. So... And I lost my my question here. <laughs> it just I had a, another follow up question. Well, no, my follow my follow up question is this: Is there? I, I've looked at several articles that come out. I, I saw one article that was written um, in a, on an online uh, site, and it's in the and I actually retweeted it out. And it said, you know, the pros and cons of a potential women's you know super league that a you know, European super league. And and I was like, oh, someone's mentioned possibly mentioning possible pros to this. And and then so I I read through it and I was like, pros none. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was. It doesn't it, seem like I'm, I mean I'm sure it, it, there will be some somewhere, but at the moment there are know, so many questions. Yeah, I mean there's so none. Many unanswered unanswered right. questions. You know, everything at the moment 
is raw, is new information that we're all trying to retain and get our heads around. And I suppose with time, you know, more information will be available to us. And, you know, it's 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 a lot to take in. It's been a very, like, intense. Yeah, it has uh, been. It really has heavy, been. Uh, you know, text-heavy kind of day uh, and a lot to take in. So, um, so yeah. Mark from the Barmy Army, when I asked him the question about possible pros, and he meant he's, what he said was, though we don't have a lot of detail and we don't have a lot of information, and I think I hear an echo here, uh, we don't have a lot of information. We have we don't know all, you know the details, but the possibility is if this does possibly happen, that doesn't does that possibly then mean that there could be more money in the game? in the women's game, more money, more money in the women's game, more eyes on the women's game, more um, visibility for the women's game and so forth. Is that, uh, that could be the possibility that comes out of a European women's super league. Would you agree with that statement that it's a possibility? Yeah. And on the European stage, of course, it's, you know, it's going to draw more attention, but just look at where we're at this season alone. If you're comparing it to last season, you know, the women's game has grown exponentially and probably more so than what perhaps people anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as though too much is happening too soon and it's almost a lot to kind of take in and, and kind of manage, um, <laughs> which I don't know is a, it could be seen as a good thing. I don't, I don't know, you know, who really knows, but I kind of feel right. It's broadcast deals, and now we're thinking about Europe. But the thing is, we're not actually thinking about the actual game itself. The standards need to improve. The level of professionalism needs to improve. Communication needs to improve. These are all basic things that we are getting wrong at the moment that need to be right before even thinking about Europe or big time or money. I mean, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's viable, viable viable enough yet. Quite, It's just not quite there yet for me. And, you know, it's a 12-team league. Grow it. Expand it. Come on. I don't get yeah. it. And and so yeah, and that brings up a you know a previous conversation that, that I know that we've had in terms of the professionalism and the level of professionalism in the WS in the FAWSL, you know, in terms of the the from top to bottom the level of professionalism from basic things like facilities and and fields and medical care and training facilities and all of those things, uh, and, and so forth. And so um, you know, so these I guess when, these aren't an issue in the men's game in a professional elite status these are not an issue this is a problem in the women's game at an elite level if we want to grow it we need to address these issues and make more professional facilities make things more accessible for professional players better standards better equipment better 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 resources just mm-hmm. everything needs to improve and and we're not there so let me ask you a tough question as we close out, Emma. So are you disappointed that your club has signed up for this? Yeah. Are you disappointed in Manchester City as a club? Yeah, it's a sellout. It's a sellout because it's, 
it undermines the values of everything that made the club great. The club is a community-based club with its fans at the heart of it. The club does so much for the community, for the people, and this is this is about anything other than the fans or the community or the fans at the heart of the club. This is about money. This is about greed and it doesn't sit well with me at all. And if it goes ahead, I think the club will have lost a bit of a part of me as well. And and a lot of fans that I have seen and that I've heard uh, who are Manchester City fans specifically have, you know, pretty much had the same sentiments, uh, you know, overall of that sort of total disconnect of the roots of the club and the roots of how Manchester City going back to, you know, 1894 uh, and how it started and the, the roots of the community and so forth. And now to go to this you know, is, is a bridge too far as, as many have said, um, and so forth. And, and there's a lot of, you know, particular, um, you know, venom against that. And, and I, I, I've seen a few things online where some people are like really angry at the club, uh, for, you know, basically selling out where basically Manchester city has fought this battle against, you know, the European elites and so forth who have been against them. And now they're going to join them. It's almost like, you know, Anakin joining the Sith. I mean, you know. Um, I, just thought, I just thought we were better than that. Sure. I just thought we were better than that. You know. I think I, that's. I, a, I think that's the best point I've heard. I think I just, that's Emma. I think it's the best point I've heard from City fans. Is is that I thought we were better than that. Yeah. I, I totally get that. Totally get that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult day, and I and I, and I generally just with my emotion, I just feel sad. That's mm-hmm. how I feel. Yeah. And I, and, you know, as, you know, I, I as obviously, I, I, you know, people can say I, I support Borussia Dortmund uh, and so forth. And, you know, and, and I feel very sad too. And I hope and pray that, you know, Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich and, and the teams that, you know, are probably been given tickets to the party, um, which I'm sure that they have, um, you know, stick to their guns. And I understand that, the, you know, obviously the Germans have a different, you know, club ownership model that's definitely in play, which may have definitely have an effect on this because I'm sure the fans, the supporters at Borussia Dortmund and Bayern and, and other German squads are, you know, are definitely not happy about this proposal um, at all. Um, you know, and so I really hope that my club doesn't fall victim of it. I can see it happening purely for financial reasons. Uh, I can well, see if, them. If they've got you know, anything about them, they'll probably see what's yeah. the backlash of everything that's happened today and might be in two minds about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, don't know. I, I, I hope so. Um, you know, I, I, I trust in Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund to stick to their guns, um, you know, and, and they have survived worse. Um, in terms of, you know, financial situations and things like that. And I think they'll survive again. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know, but I feel sad for, um, I, I feel sad for, you know, supporters of other clubs who, who, uh, particularly in England, um, because, you know, I've talked with folks like yourself and with Mark and, and Rob and so forth. I'll be talking to Josh tomorrow. Uh, I think, you know, I think the general it, consensus it's like it's really that, sad. Yeah, <laughs> I think the, the general thing is, you know, no matter who you support, if, you're, if your club is associated with this, one of the big six or whatever, mm-hmm. you're, you're feeling it today. You know, mm-hmm. you're feeling it. it. It It's not just about... um 
you know, it's not about your club. It's the impact of what it has on our game. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the real sad thing to take away from this is that we, we all kind of are on the same page with how mm-hmm. the impacts of this will will be huge mm-hmm. and, fa- and felt throughout, you know, all leagues. Yeah. And, you know, there is, I mean, there is the hope and I guess probably possibility that somehow that things will be watered down a little bit or, 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 or some compromises will be made and won't be so, you know, insane as it seems now, but, um, but right now it's not a good moment uh, and so forth. So Emma, thank you so much. Good luck for city on Wednesday against Chelsea. Um, you know, uh, I'll be thinking of both you and Rob at the same time, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, um, and so forth. And I'll be just enjoying the spectacle of what happens there. And hopefully we'll not be thinking about the last, the topic we've been talking about for the last hopefully, half hour. Hopefully you know, we'll be enjoying just, it too. Just focus on the know. game, <laughs> focus on the game, uh, and so forth. And, and I, I probably echo your sentiments that, you know, I just hope that they, that, this, that, yeah. The idea of looking at the women's game is sort of an afterthought. Just let yeah. them, let them, just let them alone. I hope it's Let true. them grow. <laughs> yeah, let the boys get on with it. Yeah. So, um, Emma, thank you very much for being on. Thank you for having me. All right. Um, and so that is it for Big Monday. It's been a d- different Monday, <laughs> uh, to say the least, on England is Burning. And I hope that you've enjoyed the programming. And if you have enjoyed the programming, you like what you've seen and you enjoyed what you've heard, please smash a like on the on the video channel. Uh, share with your friends. Word of mouth is what has gotten this podcast, this video cast started uh, and really off the ground in all sorts of different ways. And we have grown exponentially over the last several months. As you can see, beautiful graphics and lines across the screen where we didn't have anything before so uh we're you know we're growing in leaps of bounds and we're we're dedicated to continue to do so so thank you for joining us uh on england is burning tomorrow we will have josh on to talk about arsenal uh, and get his thoughts and he probably has plenty of them in regards to the super league idea uh in the last uh, part and and i may come on i I haven't decided if i'm going to come on and give my take a full-blown, full-blast take on Tuesday. But if I do, it will be on Tuesday afternoon. So in closing, remember the light is definitely out there. Please acknowledge it. Let it be a part of you. And also we have to acknowledge that the darkness is out there as well. And please acknowledge it. Do not let it hug you, however. Please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. England is burning. Is out for today. And let me see if I can close this up. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.